Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. Tonight's message, though, is called Get Ready to Run. So I'm just saying, you're not going to mess me up if you just feel like you need to take a lap. Here's what taking a lap means, okay? This was back in the churchy church days. If the preacher was preaching so good and you loved it so much, you could express your excitement by standing up during the service and taking a lap around the room. Any of you guys ever witnessed that? I have. I have. I have witnessed lap runners before. So no pressure, but if you are enjoying yourself that much tonight, just get up and take a little lap anytime you want, okay? Do you guys feel the freedom I'm extending to you? Okay, I can tell you're excited about it. Some of you are like, I have never seen that, and I don't know what I would do if someone did that. It's very exciting. It does sometimes make you laugh, (laughs) but I love it for the lap runners. Listen, if this message is that good and you got to take off, I am glad for what the Lord is speaking to you. And if he tells me to take a lap, I'm going to take a lap too. So just want you guys to know. I'm going to spit out my gum so that's not coming to you, Zod. I always feel like I would, if it came flying out, I would aim for you guys. I wouldn't send it to the girls. <laughs> but tonight's message is called Get Ready to Run. Get Ready to Run. How many of you guys in here are athletes? Raise your hand. Keep it up. Okay? Okay? A lot more on this side of the room, ladies. We're athletes. Listen, we play volleyball every week at the quarry. Just, it's fine. Raise your hand. Okay. Now, keep your hand up if you run track or cross country or ever have. I did for like one season, and by one season, I mean about two months. And then they no longer gave me the practice schedule because I wasn't helping the team and I wasn't very good, and I don't think they wanted me to come back. (laughs) That's true. It's a true story. All right, so we're talking tonight about running. And bear with me, I might be a hair obnoxious because if you're not a runner, it's really annoying to hear people talk about running. But if you are a runner, it takes so much effort that it's like occupying 80% of your brain space. And so you have a hard time talking about anything else if you're training for a race because it just takes so much time. When you're training for a race, it takes time. But tonight, we're going to see what God says about running and why I'm talking about it. In Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, we're going to look at some old... Since we're talking about running, I got some, like, old-time verses that I used to know in elementary. And, frankly, one passage of Scripture, I'll tell you when we get there, I used to think was kind of dumb, really. But now I like it. I heard Keith Moore preach on it, and now I think it's great, and I love it. So we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 12. It says this, Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight and the sin that easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. But I want to focus in right now on verse 1, where Paul tells us this, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. He's not talking about a physical race, but he is comparing our life to a race. Your life is like a race. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. And tonight I want to talk to you about three things in the Christian life, in our race, that you need to do if you want to run a successful race. Three things. Prepare, run, and finish. Those are the three things we're going to talk about tonight. The first thing is preparation for running. Now, like I said, bear with me I'm going to stand up here tonight and pretend that I know a lot about running. I don't know a lot about running. I've trained for two races, and do you know how many races I ran of those two? None. None. 
I got injured on the first one. I got scared of getting injured on the second one. So I bowed out. <laughs> and I still haven't been able to sell my ticket. So if anyone wants to run the KDF mini marathon, I'll sell it to you cheap, okay? Okay. Just tell all your friends. Anyways, but bear with me because we're going to use a lot of information tonight about running as it relates to these verses. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is preparation. Here's the first thing I learned really quick when I started to run that nutrition and hydration were very, very important. I grew up in a home that had milk for breakfast and sweet tea for lunch and dinner. Milk and sweet tea. So not a lot of water. As I became an adult, I had to learn to incorporate more water into my life. And especially when I began to run, I had to drink a lot of water or I would get migraines, right? You can't run without water. Can you imagine if you play football or basketball or whatever you do, can you imagine if you were forced to go a whole game without water? It would be super difficult, right? We need water. We also need nutrition. I figured out pretty quickly if I didn't eat well the night before a big run, the morning of a big run, and the day after a big run, so dramatic, three days of eating for one run, I was going to suffer some consequences. It didn't go very well for me when I failed to pack in the nutrition that I needed to. And Jesus gives us a clue in Matthew 4.4. He says this, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What is he saying? God's word literally acts as bread to us. You cannot run your race without the word of God. You can't do it. It's like trying to play a sport without eating. You can't do it. Can't do it. One time, this was just a couple weeks ago, <laughs> I had gone for a super early run, and I didn't have to go super far. It was like five or six miles that day, but I did it first thing in the morning. I had like barely got breakfast, and I ended up running through some strange Louisville uh, neighborhood in Louisville <laughs> with like tears in my eyes because I was like, I didn't eat, and I should have, and now I can't finish, and now I don't know where I am. Everyone was faster than me. I got left behind. It's serious if you don't eat what you're supposed to do. And in the same way, if we're supposed to be running a race, if our Christian life is like running a race, we absolutely cannot expect to be able to do that without the word of God. So many of us, listen, I know I talk about this a lot, but it's because like everybody I talk to that comes with me, you know, to me with problems, they're like, well, I'm struggling with this and I'm dealing with that. And I'm like, well, have you been reading your Bible really? And they're like, eh, I mean, kind of. And I'm like, okay, cool. Have you tried worshiping? And they're like, yeah, sometimes I put on worship music. And I'm like, have you, have you tried to pray about it? And they're like, oh, I don't really know. It feels weird when I pray. They're trying to run the race without the very basic things that they need. It doesn't work. It's so simple sometimes that we don't want to do it. We're looking, people come to me looking for like a big answer or for me to say, oh, you need to do this and you're going to feel a lot better. It's not always exciting for them when I say, let's read our Bible and let's pray and let's worship. But you know what? That's food for your race. You got to have it. You got to have the word of God. You can't run without it. Let's not overlook the easy, simple keys to life, right? Let's start every day with the piece of the word of God, literally saying, okay, just like I had breakfast, or maybe you're not a breakfast eater, but a lunch today, some kind of food today, I have got to have the word today. I've got to have it because I know I cannot expect to run without eating. I cannot expect to feel strong without eating. 
I can't expect to be able to hear from God without eating. Y'all ever get where you're starving and you're just not good for anything? (laughs) I get that way pretty easily. Your spirit can be the same way. If your spirit, if your inner man is starved, it's not good for a whole lot. And you're frustrated because you can't hear God speak, but your spirit's like, just give me some food and water and it'll be all right. (laughs) I just need a little bit of nourishment here. I just need some food. I just need some water. You need that. You need the word of God. You need prayer. So nutrition and hydration. Here's something else I figured out. You have to have the right, like, clothing or gear, okay? I never understood the appeal of, like, Nike dry fit stuff. I'm like, this is the worst feeling fabric. It is not comfortable. I cannot lounge in this. I don't like the way it feels. But let me tell you, (laughs) the first time that I tried to run in like a cotton shirt, I was sweating buckets and feeling disgusting. And then I heard someone say, cotton is rotten. You have to get some breathable fabric. You need the Nike dry fit. And I was like, okay, okay, I understand. (laughs) I get it now. I hated that stuff before, but I figured out really quick, I had to have the right clothing And the right gear, okay? So I had to get this super nerdy-looking fanny pack thing. It bounces when I run. It, like, gets in my way and flops around. But you got to have stuff. If you're doing a long run, you might need some energy gels. Uh, You might need your phone so that you can be listening to something, right, when you run. You might need your pepper spray. You might need your house key. There's just stuff you got to have on you. And one time, (laughs) I tried to run with just, like, stuff in my pockets, and it fell out all through my subdivision. So I had to buy a stupid fanny pack to run through my neighborhood in because you got to have the gear, right? When you're running, you got to have the right shoes. If you say, my hip's hurting, my knee's hurting, this is hurting, they almost always say, look at your shoes. you got to get the right shoes. you got to go and spend $150 on the ugliest shoes you've ever seen in your life. I'm not bitter about it, but I'm just saying there's a market for, like, stuff that looks good and functions well, and the running people have not found it yet. <laughs> so if any of you feel led to start a business, go for it because I'm signing up. But you have to have the right gear. You can't do it without it. You can try, and on, like, your second run, you will give all the money in your bank account to make yourself comfortable next time. You've got to have the right gear. Well, the Bible talks about gear, too, and we're going to look in Galatians chapter 6. These are the verses that I told you I used to think were kind of silly. I disliked the fact that God chose to compare these things to what he did, okay? I'm just going to be transparent. But recently, Keith Moore did a series on the armor of God, and let me tell you, it was not your preschool, like, plastic night suit series, and it helped me a whole lot. So bear with me a second. I'm going to read verses 10 through 18. It's a little bit of a long passage, but I think it's important. He says this, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. What is God saying? I have the gear that you need. I have stuff you need to wear for your race. It says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. What's he saying? The devil is real. There's things sometimes that are affecting us that we can't see, but we can feel. And in verse 13, he says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of need. And after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. 
He says, for shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers anywhere. And like I said, I used to think this was kind of corny. And I thought, God, that was really like sort of an ineffective illustration that you were doing. I live in 2021. I don't wear armor. You don't wear armor, right? Does anybody have like a helmet and a breastplate at home? (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. There's a few. There's a few. I don't. (laughs) I have none of these things. And to me, that illustration seems so foreign. However, the older I got, the more that I realized, okay, yeah, sometimes when life is getting crazy, it does feel like I'm under attack, right? It does feel like things are coming at me. He says in this verse, um, let's see. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And I think that's a really great illustration sometimes when we're dealing with anxiety. Those thoughts are coming at us like fiery darts. Like over and 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 over. So God didn't use this illustration on accident. We may not fully understand it at first, but when you really begin to picture these things creating protection in your life, you'll realize God set you up with the gear you need to run. And I heard Keith Moore say, really, if you think about it, in Roman times, remember in your history books, you would see their shield, and it wasn't like a tiny little thing. It was literally, it went from their feet to their head. They could completely hide behind their shield. And I just thought that is so powerful. Listen, when you're dealing with thoughts that won't stop, you don't have to take them. God's provided a shield that can cover you head to toe and stop those things in your life. You need this gear. Things like faith, righteousness, salvation. If you don't feel like you know what those things mean, go home and look them up. Go home and figure it out. Talk to a life group leader to help you understand peace. It talks about peace. It talks about the word of God. God is not being corny and he's not being out of date giving us this illustration. He's saying you have what you need to run your race. You're not exposed. You're not at risk for being attacked. You can be held safe and sound and protected by this armor. This is what we need to run our race. And again, so many times we're acting like we can't do anything. Me too. We act like we can't do anything. Oh, this day is really hard. Oh, my anxiety is really bad today. It doesn't have to be that way. God says, hey, I gave you the gear you need. You don't have to run in cotton. <laughs> Put something dry fit on. You'll feel a lot better, right? Pick up your faith. Pick up, remind yourself about your salvation. Remind yourself about the righteousness God has given you. That just means you're good enough. Righteousness means you're good enough. God looks at you just like he does Jesus and says, you're good enough. That's our gear. And if we want to run our race, we have to prepare with nutrition and hydration and with our gear. So the word of God to feed our spirit and the gear that we need to protect us. The second thing that you need to do to run your race well is to simply run. This one sounds dumb, but you know what the hardest part of running is? Just doing it. Doing it. Do you know how long I've like sat in the car in all my clothes and in my shoes ready to go, but just like sat in the car on my phone for like 40 minutes until I could hide myself up enough to get out and run? The hardest part is doing it. And let me tell you this, this blew my mind when I discovered this. You know, you think the longer you would do something, it would get easy, but honestly, it really never did. Every run was hard. Now, I got stronger. 
I could breathe better. I felt better when it finished. But listen, I never felt good until I made it past three miles. And you know how long I ran past three miles? Just once a week on Saturdays. That's it. And it blew my mind that sometimes I could run six miles on a Saturday easier than I could run three miles on a Tuesday. And I thought, I just ran double this. Why am I struggling? It's because it's hard to start. It's because it's hard to get your body to move. It's hard to get your mind to say, okay, yeah, we're going to do this. You have to push past what your body feels and push past what your mind feels. And in the same way, if you want to run your race spiritually, it can feel a little hard to start. There will be resistance to starting. Just like physically, just to start running, man, it's hard. Those first two miles are just never easy. I never got to the place where they were easy. They're always terrible. (laughs) Never have fun. (laughs) Not a good time. Once I get past that, it gets better. But in the same manner, so many people gear up and they're like, okay, yes, I got inspired by this message on Sunday. I'm ready to run. I'm going to wake up Monday morning and I'm going to read my Bible, I promise. Setting the alarm early, setting a second alarm early, I'm going to do it. And then you wake up. And then you hit the snooze, and then you're late, and you just got to get up and go, right? It can feel hard to start, and so many people stop when they're just getting started. Or maybe it looks like this. They're like, okay, I'm going to set a goal. I am definitely going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray more. And they do it for three days, and they're like, I don't don't know. I I don't feel anything. This isn't going that good. When I try and pray, it's awkward. When I read the Bible, it's boring. When I listen to worship music, I don't know, I just fall asleep. They quit because it feels like there's resistance in the beginning. Well, there is. There is resistance in the beginning. But just like your muscles can get used to running, so can your spirit. And the more you do it, the more you're going to like it. Like I said, once I hit three miles, I feel like I can run forever. Miles four, five, and six, piece of cake. I have a great time. Great time. Me and Beyonce have a wonderful time. I did not ever, I was not on board with Queen Bee until I started running, and then she was exactly what I needed, okay? But it gets, it's so great at that point. But, and that's a lot of times what our spiritual life is like. When you're just getting back into it, it feels a little stiff at first. It feels a little stale at first. Your muscles are kind of tight at first. But if you can just make it through the first few miles, man, you'll start to get in the zone. And the Bible will come alive. And your prayer life will start to help you. And worship will start to lift you up. It gets better. And it gets great. And then once you're there, just keep rolling with it. But so many people don't ever get back into it, right? We've, we've all had a great summer camp or whatever, a great week or a great time. Almost everybody probably in this room can think of a time when you were like, yes, I was super hyped about God. Super hyped about God. I was even saying stuff like, God, I'll do anything you want me to do. I give my whole life to you. No matter what, it's yours. I'm down. Let's go. Right? We've all been there. But why don't we feel that way today? Well, we didn't keep running. And if you want to get back into it, which I'm inviting you to join me tonight, you're just going to have to push through the part that's not super fun and that feels a little difficult. Let your muscles loosen up again. Let your spirit wake up again. If you haven't fed your spirit in a hot minute, you might have to read your Bible for a few days till you start feeling anything, right? You're bringing yourself back to life. You're giving yourself strength again. It takes a minute sometimes. So the second thing you've got to do is just to run. And this is a cool story I found about running in the Bible. It's in 1 Kings 18. We're going to look at verses 41 through 46 in the Amplified. 
And it says, Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went to the top of Carmel, and he bowed down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. I'm going to assume he's praying, but frankly, I'm not sure. (laughs) I don't put my face between my knees when I pray, but you can try it if you like. And he said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. But Elijah said, go again seven times. So basically, he keeps going back and forth. He's sending his servant to check. He's saying, it's going to rain. But the servant's saying, I don't see anything. But the servant came back the seventh time, and he said this. I see a cloud as small as a man's hand, and it's rising out of the sea. And Elijah said, go up and say to Ahab, hitch your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. So in a little while, the heavens were black and windswept with clouds, and there was a great rain. Here's the cool part. The hand of the Lord was on Elijah. (laughs) I don't want to read this next part. He tucked his cloak up into his belt, okay? And he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel, Nearly 20 miles. This is Bible times. Men wore cloaks. I don't know. Dresses is what we would say. Men wore dresses with a little belt. Cinch the waist. Keep a slim figure. He, this man, when the spirit of the Lord and the hand of the Lord came on him, he hitched his skirt up, tucked it in his belt, and ran 20 miles faster than a horse and chariot. Talk about running. Like I said, when I ran, I was the last person in the group. The people that I could see around me had gray hair, okay? That was kind of the speed that I was experiencing. I've never run 20 miles in my life and definitely not faster than a horse and chariot. But the hand of the Lord came on him, and he ran, and a miracle happened, right? It's not normal for any man to be able to run faster than a horse, especially not for 20 miles in a skirt, okay? We're going to have skirt races next week at the quarry where we're going to see who can run the fastest in old-fashioned cloak, invite all your friends. <laughs> but I love this because the hand of God came on him. But we know enough to know God doesn't make us do anything. This wasn't like magical, okay? His body wasn't just, you know, like pushed forward against his will and he didn't swirl around in the air and be like, oh, what's happening? No, it says the hand of the Lord came on him, but he was the one who started running. He was the one who started running, and when he began to move, God came alongside him and did what he couldn't do, and that's when the miracle showed up. And I want to say to you, the hand of the Lord is on you, every single one of you, every single one of you is anointed, but God can't anoint what you are not doing. You're going to have to run. If you want to see God do anything, it's not enough to say, God, I believe you're with me, I believe you've anointed me, and God is saying, Yeah, but you've got to do something. I'm here to help you, but I cannot anoint what you are not doing. Your friends are not going to magically show up at church, right? But if you invite them and the hand of the Lord is on you, well, then you might see a miracle. And nobody's going to magically get healed at the grocery just because I'm there. But if God tells me to pray for somebody and I step out and I move, his hand will be with me and I might see a miracle, right? We have got to move. Just like he had to run we have got to run and a lot of times we're feeling like well God I just I just need you to move and he's saying hey I'm waiting on you to move you're already anointed I've already told you I love you I've already said my hand is on you I've already told you you're called that's all fine and dandy start moving if you want to see God move you start moving his hand is on you and we have to do something if we want to see God move we must run 
If we want to see God move, we must run. And I feel that so strongly. This is, I hope, a word to you tonight, but it's definitely a word to me tonight. I've been wanting for God to move, and God is saying to me, okay, run. Run, and I'll do what you can't do. Run, and my hand will be with you. Run, and you'll see the things that you are longing to see. We have got to move. But the hardest part is starting. Get off the couch. Move. Move. What does that look like? What does it look like to move? It's going to be maybe different for every one of us. We can all say, we're going to read our Bible. We're going to pray. We're going to do this and that. But what has God put in your heart to do? I love to serve at the detention center I go to. So you know what I did? I signed up to go to a jail too. I want to move. I got to move. If I want to see God move there, I better start moving there, right? What do you love to do? What do you wish God would do in your life? Move in that direction. If you don't see God moving, you start moving and believe that you're anointed and his hand is with you. If you want to see restoration in your family, we'll start building those relationships again and see God move, right? If you want to be free from depression, well, then you start rejoicing, start running, start moving, and see God move. Throw your hands up and worship even when you don't feel like it. I have been so moved lately that I just refuse to show up at church and act like I'm having a bad day. I'm not perfect, but it doesn't matter. I show up, and my hands are going to be high, and my voice is going to be loud, and probably tears are going to be coming out of my eyes, and it's fine because I'm here to move. I'm here to move. If we want movement at our church, well, let's start moving. Too many times we're like, well, church seemed kind of dry today. Well, were you moving? If you sat there with your hands crossed during worship, you were probably part of the problem. (laughs) No offense. (laughs) It's okay. Listen, I've showed up on days at church and I've been feeling terrible. I've been feeling depressed. I don't want to raise my hands during worship, right? I don't feel like responding during the message, but I don't care. Because when I'm showing up asking God to move, I'm not going to ask him without my faith. I'm going to bring my faith and say, God, I'm ready to run today. It doesn't matter what I feel like. This is a race. When you're training for a race, you have got to get your runs in or you won't be ready for the race. If they say you need to run four times a week, you need to run four times a week. If they say do three miles today and four miles tomorrow and six miles on Saturday, you better do those things if you want to be ready for the race. Well, in the same way, If we want to be ready, if we want to be running our race, we got to show up and we got to run even when we don't feel like it. And listen, those days that I don't feel like it and I raise my hands and I worship anyway, God starts speaking to me. My answer comes. Why? Because I ran. God showed up. He did what I needed him to do because I came and I ran. Whatever that looked like that day, I came and I ran. So just start you got to start running. you got to start running. we got to start running. If we want God to do something special, let's start running. Do you believe that God is powerful? Yes. Do you believe that his hand is, is on you? Yes. Do you believe that he wants to move at our church? Okay, we just met all the criteria. All we need to do is run. It sounds like you guys believe he's ready, and I do too. So all we need to do is run and then just watch what happens. And the last thing I want to talk to you about tonight is how to finish. Because this is a marathon. In those verses in Hebrews, another translation literally says that. This this race is a marathon. A marathon. A marathon is 26 point, I think, two miles. It's long. I've never come close to that. 
but it's long. They have to bring like snacks. They have to have water stations. They have to be doing all kinds of stuff. People strap like water bottles on themselves. They have camelbacks. People are prepared for a marathon because it's long. It's a long race. And you run a marathon very differently than you do something shorter, right? How many of you guys were track runners? Were there track runners in here? Amzi? Justin, okay. Both Mr. Browns, Justin and Willie B. So who's run cross country in comparison? Anybody? Okay. This illustration may not go over as well as I thought. It's all right. <laughs> track, I believe, like I told you, I was in track for like two months, okay? But one thing that they really stressed was speed, right? We just run as fast as we can. 100 meters, 200 meters, whatever it is, we are in it to win it, and we're going as fast as we can. Well, the first time I started training for a longer race, I took off, <laughs> took off running as fast as I can, thanks to my track training. And you know how long it lasted? Like, not even a quarter mile until I was, like, dying. I had to slow down, had to, like, catch my breath. And this nice lady that we'll call Loogie Lady, because the first time I saw her, the whole run, it was just like... <laughs> The whole, I mean, and I was behind her thinking, like, wow, like, I have sinus problems, so just have your liberty, woman, but you, you, you have a lot going on up here in your head. So in my mind, I called her Loogie Lady. But anyway, she befriended me because we were both slow, and she said, you have got to run slow enough to breathe here. You're trying to sprint, and you're getting out of breath. You need oxygen to be able to run, so why don't you just pace yourself so that you can last? Run at a pace that allows you to breathe so that you can actually complete the run, right? This was a brand new concept to me. And this is what Paul is showing us here. We've got to pace ourselves. If we want to finish, we got to pace ourselves. And I talked about this earlier, but I know we've all had a moment, like I said, in our life where we're so excited and a lot of times we come out of that just at a total sprint. Like I'm going to pray in tongues for like an hour every day. I'm definitely going to read a whole book of the Bible every day. I'm going to listen to podcasts all day, all day, all night while I'm sleeping too because my spirit is awake. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it all. I love God and I need this. And you burn out because that's like a lot. It's no biggie. If that works for you, do it and give me your tips. It's no big deal. But we come out of that trying to just sprint and give it all we got. And I believe we should give it all we got. But we have to be sustainable. If you can't pray for an hour, that's okay. Start with five minutes. Pace yourself. If you can't read a whole book of the Bible, that's okay. Pick out one verse that you like and just read it every day for a week till it gets in you and you don't have to look it up anymore. You just know what it says. Pace yourself. We have got to make it till the end. And the Bible tells us life is short, but sometimes it feels long when we're in the middle of it, right? It can feel a little long. If we want to finish, we've got to pace ourselves. And I love what Hebrews tells us. If we look at Hebrews 12 again, he says, Let us lay aside every weight and set aside the sin and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2 says this, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, of our faith. If we are going to finish, we're going to have to keep our eyes on Jesus. We're going to have to look to Jesus. I will say this, you won't finish unless you keep your eyes on Jesus. 
You won't finish unless you're looking to him. We've got to. When we're running and it feels like we're getting a little tired, many times that's because our gaze has drifted. And we're looking at our depression or we're looking at our family drama or we're looking at our future and trying to figure out like where we're going to go to college. Our eyes have fallen off Jesus and we start to get tired. We start to slow down. Our pace begins to drop and we're not even where we used to be. Why? We're not looking at the guy who enables us to finish. We have got to look to Jesus to finish. When I need strength, I look to him. When I'm struggling, I look to him. When I'm running and it's feeling a little difficult, I look to him. Why? Because I need him to finish. i got to have him to finish. We have got to have Jesus. He's the author of your faith, and he's the finisher of your faith. If you want to finish your race, you're going to have to look at Jesus. He's our example. He's the person we look to for strength. He's who we look to for insight. He's who we look to for peace. Everything you need when it feels like your race is getting challenging will be there if you look to him. We start looking in other places, and that's when we begin to slow down because we're losing our strength and we're not looking to the one who provides it for us. And I want to say to you tonight, has your pace lagged? Because the Holy Ghost has been on me about this even a little bit. That's why I'm preaching this to you tonight. No, you better run. You're not, you're not where you need to be. You better pick it up and run. It's time to run. You're not walking. You're not crawling. You're not sitting on a bench taking a break. You're running. This is what we're doing. If your pace is lagging, that's okay. Look to Jesus and pick it up again. You can start tomorrow. The Bible says his mercies are new every single morning. You don't have to wait till the first of the month or Monday or summer camp or anything. Pick your Bible up tomorrow. Find one verse that you know you love and just read it tomorrow. Just pick it back up. We can start again at any time. Look unto Jesus, the finisher of our faith. He's our example, and he's what we need to run. And I want to talk to you guys candidly for just a minute, and we'll, we'll close real soon tonight, but I believe, and I'm not saying this just because I love you, but I really believe that the people in this room, some of you are the very most important people in our church, all of you. There is something so special about youth. You guys are so exciting. You guys are so fun. You guys love people super well, right? Maybe life hasn't made you super crusty yet. You know the 60-year-old crusties. Now, I know a lot of 60-year-old not crusties, and I want to be just like them. I love them. This is no shade to the owner generation. But I'm just saying, what are youth known for? Their passion. Their passion, right? We need you in this church. If we want to see this church change, let me tell you, there's enough people in this room to do it. If all of us show up on 100 every Sunday with our faith, with our expectation, ready to run with our pastor and follow him wherever he's taken us that day, the whole vibe of Sunday morning could change. The whole church could change. We can set the tone. It's not up to the worship team. It's not just up to whoever's preaching. That's on us. We come here to run. We don't really come to sit. We might not be physically running, but I'm here to run. That means I lift my hands during worship. That means I'm going to respond during the message. That means I'm going to give during the offering. Why? Because we're here to run. We're here to run. And when we begin to run, just like Elijah did, God's hand is going to come and he's going to do what we have been longing to see, right? An exciting 
life-filled church, a church where people's lives are being changed. That's happening, but I want to see it happen times like 100, right? I want to see that on the quarry times like 100. I love you guys, and I love being here with you, but I want to be here with more of you. I want to meet your friends. I want to see them come in here depressed and leave healthy and happy and whole. And I want to see them come from a broken family and find a loving family here. And I want to see them come in struggling and leave strong. It can happen, and it will happen if we simply begin to run. That's all it takes. If we just commit every day to running. Today, I'm going to run. I'm going to run the race, Father. I'm not going to walk. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm going to run. I'm going to prepare myself. I'm going to make sure that I'm getting the right nutrition. I'm going to make sure that I'm wearing the tools that you gave me to wear today that protect me. I'm going to make sure that, that I'm committed to running every day even when I don't feel like it. And even more than that, I'm going to be committed to finish because my eyes are on Jesus. And I feel that so strongly tonight. I want to invite you guys just to do that with me. Just make that commitment. Make that commitment with me. Like I said, there are more than enough of us in this room to completely change this church. And I think this is a great church. There's no shade in that at all. But I think this church can be so much better. I think there are so many amazing people here, and I want to see even more amazing people here that came in broken and came in addicted and came in struggling. And I want to see them grow and change into a whole and healthy person who can help other people because I know that's what God has done for me and that's what I want to see for other people too amen well if you guys will join me in prayer for just a second we'll close tonight father we are so grateful for the instruction you've given us in your word and tonight father as a family at the quarry we commit to run, Father. We want to run with what you have for us. We want to run into your plan. We want to run with the vision of this church. And Father, we thank you that just as your hand was on Elijah, it's on us tonight too. And as we begin to run, Father, you're going to be able to move. We thank you. You're a good God. You want to move on us. You want to move with us. You want to move for us. And I thank you, Father, that you've shown us all it takes is our willingness and our ability to move, Father. So we commit to run and we thank you holy ghost for coming alongside us and helping us and beginning to do things that we just couldn't accomplish on our own strength father we're so grateful and we are expectant for the future of this church and the future of the quarry thanks for listening to this message to learn more about what's happening at the quarry check us out on social media